This is Common Ground, KCRW Berlin's talk show encouraging debate and a deeper understanding of hot-button topics in the German capital and beyond. I'm your host, Soraya Sarhadi Nelson. Today, we delve into the changes we can expect to transatlantic relations in 2021. KCRW Berlin's Dina El-Sayed explains. Just how confusing the relationship is between the United States and Europe was clear last week. On one hand, Chancellor Angela Merkel and most other German and European officials were quick to congratulate Joe Biden and his running mate Kamala Harris, even before the election was officially called amid legal and rhetorical battles. Merkel says the German-U.S. relationship is very valuable and needs to be preserved, as both countries tackle the pandemic, global terrorism and climate change. But less than 48 hours after the felicitations and predictions of improved ties, German economic minister Peter Altmaier and his European counterparts announced they were slapping tariffs on about 3.5 billion euros in American goods, including aircrafts, orange juice and video game consoles. Altmaier said they would have welcomed an amicable resolution before the American presidential election and that they are ready to negotiate a solution at any time. German Foreign Minister Heiko Maas also expressed uneasiness over how U.S. policy for four years treated Europe as an enemy, alongside Russia and China. He added, many of the current global challenges know no borders, and that's why we need real cooperation with the U.S. so as to reach global solutions to global problems. But with Biden's plate full of turmoil at home, including the pandemic, high unemployment, and Americans more divided than at any time since the Civil War, how realistic is it to expect the level of re-engagement European officials hope for? Some things he's vowed to tackle immediately, like making the United States rejoin the Paris Climate Accord. But the president-elect, early in his campaign, also made it clear that his priorities are domestic ones. We only have one opportunity to reset this democracy after Trump. And we have to be prepared to make the most of it. So what does it mean, at least from my perspective in practice? First, it means repairing and reinvigorating our own democracy. While Europeans expect Biden to provide immediate relief from the antagonistic policies of Donald Trump, they may end up disappointed, especially when it comes to NATO and the defense of Europe. Jana Pulirin of the European Council on Foreign Relations recently noted in the Internationale Politik Quarterly, the transatlantic debate on security will no longer be about burden sharing, but more about burden shifting. So are Germany and Europe really ready for transatlantic relations 2.0? That was senior producer Dina El-Sayed. To answer that question on transatlantic relations, I'm joined by four guests on the phone as we practice social distancing during Berlin's lockdown. They are Jana Pulierin, the head of the European Council on Foreign Relations Berlin office, Bloomberg Opinion columnist Andreas Klut, Stormy Annika Mildner, who heads external economic policy at the Federation of German Industries, and Bundestag member Daniela de Ritter, a social democrat who is vice chairwoman of the German Parliament's Foreign Affairs Committee. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. Hello. Welcome. <laughs> Hello. Thanks for having us. Thanks for being on. I really appreciate it. Before we start, I want to recognize Stormy, who will take over as executive director of the Aspen Institute Germany next year. Congratulations, Stormy. 
Oh, thanks so much. I'm so honored. <laughs> and may I say that it's an honor to be discussing this weighty topic with three women today. And Andreas, I hope you don't feel outnumbered. No, I'm flattered. <laughs> okay. Well, as, the, as the, uh, the only man in our group, how about I put the first question to you? I'm going to have you provide a little bit of context to transatlantic relations. Do you think it's Donald Trump who is to blame for why the relationship between Germany and the U.S. is so frayed at the moment? It's not as everything was wonderful before he came along, if we think about the NSA scandal in 2013, for example. I think he's to blame for the pretty sudden and steep deterioration in the relationship, what he really did is to take the diplomatic sheen off of conflicts that were there for a long time in the Obama, Bush, and even Clinton administrations. And we'll, I'm sure we'll go into it. But it is, as you just quoted Yana saying, you know, it's about burden sharing and burden shifting now. Those problems were there. But there is something, to be honest, psychologically interesting about the way he's fixated on Angela Merkel, even the person compared to people like Vladimir Putin. I mean, he has a special enmity toward this woman and towards Germany, even though he's German-American. There's something eating him about it. So he's definitely made everything worse so that you couldn't even talk about the pre-existing problems anymore with him. Well, Daniela, you're in the Bundestag. So what do you see mm -hmm. as the main areas in the transatlantic relationship that Germany needs the next U.S. president to address? So I should answer like Bill Clinton did it, you know, it's the economy, stupid, I should say. <laughs> so most of all, we have a lot of uh, huge problems we had in the past with the administration from the President Trump. But I'm sure and I'm convinced that it, it will get better with Biden nowadays. So are there any red lines for Germany uh, that Biden can't cross? So the first move is not to talk about red lines, I suppose, but to congratulate the next president and to talk about the new relationship we have to build. And I'm convinced that Biden, who has explained that he is bridging the rifts, not only in the U.S. society, but also with his friends in the European Union and most of all the Germans. Jana, do you think the expectations that the German government has or has at least talked about so far is realistic in terms of what they're expecting Joe Biden to do. Yeah, actually, I think so, because everybody here says that uh, there is no return to the status quo, that we need to prepare ourselves for kind of different uh, conditions in the transatlantic relationship, that the international environment has very much changed since Obama was in charge and that we need, uh, as Europeans, to contribute more to the transatlantic relationship. I think that it's still unclear what this uh, doing more exactly means and uh, if the Europeans are actually able to deliver. But I think expectation is that we can work together on various issues, on the um, Iran portfolio again, on climate change, maybe even on trade with WTO, in NATO, of course, and that this administration, the Biden administration, will want to work through multilateral institutions again and not bilateralize the relationship that much. So there is a lot of hope in Germany, but I think there is also a lot of realism that we need to do more, it's going to cost more, and it's going to be not as cozy as it was under Trump sometimes, where we could hide behind kind of this president in the White House that asked all these ridiculous things like spending 2% and 
kind of uh, do nuclear sharing. And, and, and I think it will be harder for us to say no to a President Biden on many issues. Stormy, what about the German industry? What do you think that they're expecting or hoping for anyway from the new American president? Yeah, I have to say, I mean, the last four years were pretty tough for us. Um, I mean, the United States are our most important export market, and we are extremely intertwined via investment. German companies are producing in the United States, responsible for more than 700,000 workers in the United States. So our relationship is really tight, but the last four years were tough. All those trade conflicts, tariffs on steel and aluminum, the Airbus Boeing case, which your colleague mentioned earlier on, the threat of, of tariffs on cars, on cranes, then the WTO dispute settlement and the breakdown of the system there. So pretty, pretty tough. Now we very much hope that there will be a bit of a reset in the relationship. I agree with Jana. They will not be a return to the status quo, and we won't see another TTIP project uh, because there's also not that much appetite on this side of the Atlantic for it in the population. But I think there's a lot of scope for a positive agenda. And um, my colleagues just mentioned some of them, um, huge potential to work on health issues together, huge potential to work on digital issues, um, a huge potential to work on environmental issues. What I would be very careful on is placing trade and trade conflicts and solving them at the top of the agenda because those are really, really tricky and that might set us up for failure. So I think we as Europeans need to reach out a hand, propose positive issues, uh, maybe also enable Biden a few quick wins, and then to reestablish trust and understanding and then tackle the really conflictual issues in our relationship. Andreas, you wrote in a recent column that Germany was ready to offer the U.S. a new deal no matter who became president. What did you mean by that? Yeah, first of all, I think that's not Germany, but sort of one half of the German elite, if you will. In this case, I was responding to a speech given by the defense minister, Annegret Kramp-Karrenbauer, and I think she was putting into words something that, as I said, at least half the political spectrum not the SPD, I'm afraid to say, or at least not all of it, Daniela can respond to that, has come around to in recent years, which is that Germany must rise to the occasion and not only spend more on its army, but also use it or be prepared to use it so to give more mm-hmm. oomph to its diplomacy in order with its European partners to solve problems in the Mediterranean, in the Balkans, in the Baltics, in the neighborhood, because the Americans no longer... They're fed up with having to do that, and they want to do more in the Pacific and in Asia. And I think what they're getting ready now, that half of the spectrum, I think it includes Angela Merkel, to maybe broach the debate, which will be very hard, because the other half of the spectrum is ready to eat them, and German public opinion is nowhere near accepting this, you know, this larger role for Germany and Europe to relieve the Americans. And so there's a big fight, but yes, The interesting thing was that there was, I think, out of desperation, finally, at least an offer of a new deal. Daniela, you're a social Democrat and so not part of that elite, which uh, Andreas was just speaking about, or the, the view from the CDU, from AKK. How do you see it? I mean, do you think that there should be a German willingness to make a deal, no matter who's president, no matter what, that it's sort of up to Germany to do that? Where do the social Democrats stand on that? 
So I think the Social Democrats are very aware of the relationship they have and the duty they have to do uh, in this occasion. But I think most of all, we have to rethink the security strategies and policies that we have. It's not only the question of investing 2% of the GDP, but most of all, to recreate uh, peace processes and to be very aware of what we have to do in negotiating treaties, for instance. I think that Stromi already mentioned the Iranian case. So that's what we have to do and to look forward to all the crises that we have nowadays, not only the pandemic, who makes very clear what we have to look at uh, much more than we did in the past. So we have to look much more to the geostrategic regions, as Andreas already mentioned. And we have to recreate our relationships with the countries of the Indo-Pacific region as well. So we have a lot to do. And not only because Trump didn't tackle all the conflicts he had so, and withdraw his troops, that we are very aware of the importance of the role that Germany has to play in the world to ensure the peace processes. But we are in a good situation now to rebuild the transatlantic cooperation with Biden. But are there aspects to the German-U.S. relations that any of you think can't be fixed? For example, the troop drawdown in Germany Mm -hmm. or shifting forces to Poland. I mean, is there anything that's been damaged beyond repair, like a crystal glass that shatters on the ground? So I'd like to come in here. Uh, This is Jana. And um, so I don't think that there is damage done beyond repair, but I think there are very critical issues still um, that will remain and that were uh, already a problem in the Obama administration and then very much so under um, Donald Trump and will remain a difficult issue, uh, like, for example, the Nord Stream 2 issue. So the Democrats mm-hmm. in Congress, uh, as opposed as the Republicans towards Nord Stream 2, and I think there will be continued pressure on the Germans whether um, to end the project or not. And I think another issue is our trade surplus, but this is a question for Stormy then. And the third question, I think, is defense spending. It's maybe not the 2%, although that is one of the few things where there is bipartisan consensus in Washington. Um, so, yeah, I, I think these are kind of the hot topics. It's Nord Stream 2, it's defense spending, and it's the trade surplus that Germany has. Well, since you threw it to Stormy, I'll throw it to Stormy. Do you agree or do you think there are things that can't be fixed? I think everything is fixable. If there's a political will, there's also a way. I mean, with regard to the trade surplus, I mean, our trade surplus, um, we discussed that so many times with the Trump administration already and the Obama administration before him. And what's important to note, it makes really a lot more sense to look at the current account as a whole and look at the European Union as a whole. And if you do so, actually, the United States has a small surplus vis-a-vis the European Union in its current account. Having said this, though, um, we do have a large trade surplus. And in itself, that's nothing to be proud of. I mean, it shows that we are pretty competitive, but it also shows that we have a deficit with regard to um, domestic investment. And that is something where I agree with Jana. We need to deliver and offer something, um, and that is something we can deliver on, more investment, more spending at home. And if we do that, um, then it will also help to reduce our trade surplus, and that would be good for our relationship also with the United States. 
So, Andreas, mm-hmm. what's the most important lesson that Germany learned during the Trump era? I think that the most important lesson the elites learned, I mean, the population is, is, is another matter, as I said. You know, if you listen to these talk shows on public TV, they're at a different level. But I think in the elite, it had already sunk in before, and now it really sunk in that in the long term, they will be without that aegis, that protection umbrella of the United States. The presence of the U.S. in Western Europe since World War II was the precondition originally for European integration as well. And now you see a splintering, uh, different definitions of self-interest in the European Union. You see how hard it is uh, with a unanimity requirement to get any common voice on foreign policy in the EU. Germany realizes, I think, it's naked and they don't have an answer. And I think they're scared and they're groping and almost desperately for an answer. I think that's the big change. It's just accelerated everything. But make no bones about it. It just are no answers. There are just very good, very deep, very big questions right now. Daniela, do you agree? I mean, is there this sort of caution? So it's not really like, oh, my God, we're all relieved now. It's Joe Biden. Everything will go back to normal. Or is there sort of this reluctance or this caution to sort of trust America again? Yeah, I think that that's a huge problem that we have to recreate a kind of confidence between our countries. Maybe I, I should add one point to that, what uh, Stormy said. I think we need more key issues in the relationship. You know, we see during all this hard period of, of the pandemic that we have to work together in the way that we can even if it sounds big and bigger as we are, that we have to save the world during this period. And one of the solutions that we can create is to have a vaccine. And then I think we have a good relationship, and we had this during all this period of Trump. We have all times had good relationship between universities and researchers. I think this can be a way to support much more than we did in the last two years. And everybody knows that we need research and innovation to have more security in our countries. I think this could be a way to enforce and increase our relationships. Well, we're going to talk more about transatlantic relations at the European level when we come back from our break. Stay tuned. This is Ira Glass of This American Life. Every week on our show, we apply the tools of journalism to stories that are so small and personal, journalists normally would not cover them. It was my forged signature, and it was my boyfriend's handwriting. Or we look at stories that are big, refugees, school segregation in America, the split in the Republican Party. Climbing out from the smoking ruin and say, anybody else alive around here? And find surprising personal stories there, too. This American Life. Every Sunday at 5 p.m. on KCRW Berlin. 1A is the largest daily national conversation for NPR listeners. Hi, this is Todd Zwillick of 1A, where we are always thinking up new ways to include voices and perspectives. Bring your voice to the conversation on the biggest topics facing America. And hey, be ready to hear from those that you won't always agree with. That's next time on 1A. 1A, tackling policy, politics, and technology every weekday at 4 on 104.1 KCRW Berlin.
Welcome back to Common Ground. I'm your host, Soraya Sarhadi Nelson, and joining me are Jana Pulieren of the European Council on Foreign Relations, Bloomberg Opinion's Andreas Klut, Stormy Annika Mildner of the Federation of German Industries, and Bundestag member Daniela Derrida. We are talking about transatlantic relations 2.0. Can we expect a reset on how Germany and Europe interact with the United States that has Joe Biden as president? Stormy, let me start with you. How effective do you think Brussels' reminder last week will be to Joe Biden barely 48 hours after he pledged to make America respected around the world again? And by reminder, I mean the 3.5 billion euros in tariffs Brussels slapped on American imports. So this is a pretty old trade conflict. I mean, it reaches back um, more than a decade. Um, And it is about subsidies for aviation. So the United States has subsidized its aviation company, Boeing, and we have subsidized our aviation company, Airbus. And the United States sued against the European Union at the WTO and vice versa. So there were two cases. And both parties lost their respective case. And the WTO, the World Trade Organization, granted both parties the right to retaliate against each other. And the United States has already done so last summer. And now the European Union was also granted the right by the WTO to do so. And that's what the European Union now is doing. And it's not a good situation. Um, It costs both sides. It makes products more expensive for consumers. So it was really necessary, and I think the European Union... Um, knows this, as does the Biden administration, is find, to find a negotiation solution to really end this conflict. Um, and that could mean that we agree on a certain level of subsidies, that we set up an infrastructure to inform us about subsidies or aid, but that we also deal with third country subsidies. And that's really important because really, I mean, we too are partners here. And it's more our job to address unfair trade practices by others like China instead of fighting each other. And that's something what the German industry, for example, is also expecting, that the EU and the United States really sit down together to solve this long lasting conflict. Well, certainly another thing that's probably going to come before or maybe should come before uh, trade, as mentioned, is what's going to happen with defense. And Jana, you wrote the Internationale Politik Quarterly that after four years of Trump, Germany and the EU are, quote, insufficiently prepared to provide more in terms of defense and stability. Why? Because I think we have not fully grasped what this new strategic shift to Asia really means for us. The U.S. has a clear interest in prioritizing Asia. They will think um, hard what to do in Europe, um, how much money to invest. I think there is just a void that needs to be filled by Europeans in NATO. So that's what I meant uh, when I talked about burden shifting. I think that the Europeans need to take more responsibility in NATO. And that is cost intensive because uh, that means that we need to develop new capabilities to fill the void and to really take more action. And this is something that, as we discussed in the beginning, is not going down very well with the German public um, most of the time. It's a difficult issue. And then also because of our neighborhood. So I think that the Americans will just not be as present as they have been in the past in solving the conflicts in our neighborhood. They have already been retreating. We've seen that in the Ukraine crisis and in, in Libya. And I think we need to get used to the fact that we, it's on us. We need to solve this and we need to fix this. So we need to kind of find a solution together with a friend how to organize European defense in the EU, in NATO, and in uh, other coalitions, and to become just much more effective. Daniela, do you think the Bundestag has accepted that more? I mean, considering four years of being bashed by uh, Donald Trump and his administration, 
or are you going to react to a Joe Biden administration saying, come on, guys, you're not at 2 percent yet? (laughs) So to be honest, I'm not really sure. It depends on the different parties, I suppose, from the right to the left. So we have different meanings. But we must be prepared, in my view, for the fact that even after Trump, things will not be the same as they were in the past. And this makes it all the more important to improve the way that we work together. One point of the contention was the increase in the NATO defense budget. But in particular, Trump's demands were direct addressed to the Germans. But we have made a promise for the gradual adjustment of our contribution. But please keep in mind that it's not only the two percent of the GDP that we have to invest, but also the civil crisis prevention. And as Stormy and Jana mentioned, we have a lot of increasing crises all around the world. And I think we have to rebuild our security strategies. And it's not only about money that we have to talk, but about the strategies and the processes that we have to rebuild. Is there a mistake being committed right now by European leaders by bypassing Trump at this stage and talking to Mr. Biden and the Biden administration that will come? And what kind of damage could Trump still do during the months he has left? And I open that to any of you. I'm very worried about the next couple of months, this interregnum, this chaos. By the way, it's not that the Europeans don't want to talk to the Trump administration. It's hard to talk to them. They don't want to return the calls. You know, the the people who are happiest about all of this are named Vladimir Putin and Xi Jinping. And by the way, they're, of the big international leaders, the only two that haven't congratulated, as of this taping, Biden yet. Even Erdogan has now congratulated him. But of course, they're watching this with some delight. I mean, in 2016, Russia had to be much busier, do much more work to divide Americans. And this time, Trump's basically doing, done half of the job for him. And they might now be tempted to specifically the South China Sea or Taiwan in recent weeks. There's been saber rattling, possibly something in the Baltic. I'm not saying it will happen, but it's, it's dangerous. I mean, it's at times like this, when the wrong people get the wrong ideas and just try something out that they shouldn't even tamper with. Stormy, what do you think? I mean, should people be reaching out to Joe Biden or is that going to increase the chance that Donald Trump will try to cause damage before he leaves? I think we have to, um, how do you say, um, chew gum and walk at the same time. Um, I think it's President of the Commission von der Leyen is right to extend a hand and talk about positive cooperation issues with the uh, Biden administration. At the same time, I also know that the Commission and also our government here at home is in intense negotiations with the United States, with the Trump uh, team, in the run-up of the G20 summit, um, which is going to take place later on this year. So they are talking to each other. Um, And I think this is important because on trade and economic issues, the Trump administration can do a lot in the meantime and could do a lot of damage. The executive um, freedom to implement tariffs is pretty high, as we have learned. And there's also a lot of scope with regard to export controls, entity lists, and so on through executive orders. So it is very important to continue our dialogue with the Trump administration right now. That's the show for today. And I'd like to thank my guests, Jana Pulieren, the head of the European Council on Foreign Relations Berlin office, Bloomberg Opinion columnist Andreas Klut, 
Stormy Annika Mildner, who heads the Department of External Economic Policy at the Federation of German Industries, and Bundestag member Daniela de Ritter, a social democrat who is the vice chair of the German Parliament's Foreign Affairs Committee. It was great having you all on Common Ground. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. And thank you to everyone who tuned in. I'm your host, Soraya Sarhadi Nelson. Common Ground episodes are available as podcasts, so download them wherever you get yours. And if you want to ask questions on our upcoming shows, go to kcrwberlin.com and click on Common Ground for details. 